remarkable, and so we're glad for the decades of partnership with you. Uh, thank you. It's so encouraging to hear about all the church planting, great banquets, and everything else. Uh, it's, I know you can't explain it all in a few minutes, but it's, it's remarkable. I also want to give thanks to Steve and Kay Wright for being kind of our connectors to Brazil. They're amazing, so thank you, Steve and Kay. And so we appreciate that. People like Jack Ellett and many others who've been many, many times to Brazil. So thank you all so, so much. Well, welcome to ZPC again today. Uh, Pastor Jerry is out today. He's actually in California. So he, if you remember, if you've been around for a couple of years, he got his doctorate of ministry. But because of the pandemic, the, uh, the graduation kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. So his graduation was actually yesterday, I believe. And so uh, he is now fully uh, doctorates to any doctor jokes or anything you want to tell Pastor Jerry, please do. Uh, you know, you can make fun of him a little bit, Reverend Dr. Jerry Deck. So, But today we are in Luke again, and we are seeing it anew, uh, the gospel story. And after the story of the Good Samaritan last week in Luke 10, today we're in another famous story, the story of Mary and Martha, which is in Luke 10 Uh, verses 38 through 42. And so without further ado, let's dive right in. Now as they went on their way, this is the disciples, he, Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. Most loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you on this Sunday, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this passage today is a beautiful yet short passage, I think which has a lot of meaning. So we're going to take Uh, a deeper look, a deeper dive into this passage. It's the story of Luke of two sisters, and I might get their names messed up because they're Mary and Martha, which sound a little bit alike. One of whom is worried and distracted, Jesus says, while trying to show hospitality, while the other is quietly listening to Jesus. So when I think about Martha being busy with many tasks and being worried and distracted, which it says here, I think of our world today, we deal with worry and anxiety, which can lead us away from God. Those things can make it difficult for us to see God or hear from God. And that is what Mary is doing. If you think about it, if she's in the other room sitting with Jesus, she's seeing Jesus, she's hearing from Jesus. But I can also relate, I believe, to Martha being a a bit of a perfectionist and a planner uh, myself and a worrier too. So before we say it is always better to be quiet and listen than be active and serving, I want us to remember the parable of the Good Samaritan last week. And so in the story of the Good Samaritan, 
Pastor Jerry told us about how this man was living into his identity as a Christian. So think about that. He was living into his identity as a Christian he, or a follower of God. He knew who he was, and so he had compassion. He said he felt it in his gut to have compassion to stop and sacrifice and help someone in need. So this was a very active, it was a very active thing, whereas this week we see Mary being more quiet. So could there possibly be kind of a debate or an argument in any way? Who's a better follower of Jesus, Mary or Martha? If you just read these five verses, you might come to the conclusion, well, uh, it's Mary because this is who Jesus commends for sitting at his feet listening to him. But I don't wanna throw Martha uh, under the bus because I think it's also good to be active in our Christian lives. How can we do both? But if we wanted to have a little bit of a debate, here's some sides of the debate I came up with this week, which we could relate to, I think, very much. So we see Mary uh, being quiet. She's sitting with Jesus, probably the disciples. Maybe let's, let's picture a family room here in Zionsville or Carmel or Indianapolis, they're in the family room. They're in there being quiet. Jesus is maybe talking to them while Martha is being loud. She's back in the kitchen, perhaps. She's making sure that the house looks nice, all those things. Mary is being passive. Sometimes we might think that's a negative thing, but in this case, it's a good thing to be with Jesus. Uh, Martha is being very active and working. Mary's being contemplative, which is a word that's popular today. She's, she's thinking, she's being quiet. She's probably praying, she's listening. Uh, but is Martha being compassionate because she's showing hospitality? So there's part of that debate, which is better. Uh, Mary's maybe a studier. So in the church, in the modern church, we study a lot. We study the scripture. We're listening. We're learning. We're digging into scripture. We're trying to hear from Jesus because we're not physically with Jesus. But Martha is doing service. She's the one out serving everybody that's come into her house. Mary is a worshiper. She's worshiping Jesus when it says she's sitting at Jesus' feet while Martha is a worker. So some say the answer to this kind of debate is balance, but I don't actually think so. I think the answer is more following Jesus in who we are in all ways that we can. Following Jesus, I think, is a better answer. To live into our identity as followers of Jesus and to follow where Jesus leads us in the moment, on that day, in that week, in the context that you are in. In fact, N.T. Wright, famous Bible commentator, said we need to have both action and contemplation in this specific story. He said this, without action, you wouldn't eat, and without contemplation, you wouldn't worship. Without action, without Martha doing cooking or food prep, which we assume that's what she's doing. That's part of the Middle Eastern way of showing hospitality. You wouldn't eat. Without contemplation, Mary is listening and learning. You wouldn't be able to worship Jesus. So again, some of the context of this, and I think this can speak to kind of who we are as a church. If we look back just simply in Luke chapter 10, at the first part of Luke chapter 10, and we didn't read all of that here in worship, but we would see Jesus send out the 72. There are 72 followers of Jesus. And as we had read several weeks ago, he sent out the 12 uh, to different towns. And then he sends out at the start of chapter 10, 72. He says they're to go to nearby towns, heal the sick, 
and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. I, I could relate this to church missions or church service or going out into Indianapolis or other places or around our community to serve. You know, this is that kind of who we are as a church. This is what we're called to do. The Good Samaritan, it's just one person, but he is a person who is ready to show compassion. It is part of who he is. And so when he sees a need, he stops what he is doing and shows compassion. And then like Mary in this context, when they've come into the home, they're quieter, they're getting ready for dinner. Mary goes out and takes time to sit with Jesus to listen and learn. And so I think following Jesus is all of those parts. And yet, Jesus still says to Martha, uh, he says, Martha, Martha, your sister has chosen the better part or the better way. And so I think it's in this context, in the moment, uh, Martha was worried and distracted, it says, by many tasks, and instead a better way would to be to slow down, be quiet, and to listen to Jesus. So Jesus commends the one who seems to be more passive, who wants to learn, rather than the one who's more active, Martha, who's kind of running around. And we see that Martha, uh, again, Jesus said, is worried and distracted. In another place I said, it says, by many tasks. Now, I don't want to, again, as I said, throw Martha under the bus or condemn her for her works here, because I think Jesus was probably gently correcting her. You know, you're, you're so busy out here showing hospitality. It, it seems like you're worried and distracted. Why don't you take a, take a breath and come in here and just talk with the rest of us who are out here in the family room? And yet Martha was probably doing part of what she was called to do. Hospitality is an important New Testament value. In fact, uh, when you read through the New Testament, hospitality is mentioned again and again. So Middle Easterners were expected to welcome people into their home, to find them something to eat and to drink. So if Martha is welcoming Jesus, and it didn't say at the start, if you noticed, it didn't say both uh, Martha and Mary welcomed Jesus into the home. It says Martha is the one who welcomes Jesus into the home. She's probably the host. She's trying to probably make her house ready and wonder even if she knew that all Jesus and the disciples were coming. Perhaps she's distracted by, by cleaning her house or maybe by worrying that things don't look nice enough. Maybe that we would. And as Pastor Jerry says, sometimes it's great to have people into your house and not worry so much that you've got your papers and unpaid bills on the, on the kitchen table and some toys in the family room. That's okay. Just be with the people who are there. But Martha is the one who was doing all the work, maybe cleaning and cooking and getting ready. Was Jesus traveling alone? Most likely not, if we think about it. Most likely, he was living with the disciples. Most likely, he's with at least 12 others. So if there's Mary and Martha and there's some others, now you've, maybe you're preparing a meal for 15 or 16 people. What if some of the 72, that was the story that was just before this, kind of before the Good Samaritan, what if some of those 70 or so people, what if they're around and now she probably had a small home? What if there's lots of people? Maybe they're out in the courtyard and things. Now you can see why she might be worried and distracted. In fact, she's got Jesus in her house and whether or not they know Jesus or understand fully who he is, they understand that he is a rabbi and someone incredibly special. So you can imagine Martha 
walking or maybe stomping, I would think, out into the family room and saying, hey, here I am, sis. I'm slaving in the kitchen. I'm trying to show some hospitality for all of you disciples. And my sister is over here just sitting with Jesus, just kind of looking longingly at Jesus. Can you, Jesus, can you tell my sister to come in here in the kitchen and help me? That's pretty much what she says. Now, it doesn't read exactly like that, but that's kind of how I imagine it. Now, I know uh, some of us, when we're saying this, might be more relatable uh, to Martha, and I am probably one of those. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. I like to have everything right. We even had some family members over to the house last night, and I was uh, taking some of the papers, you know, like mail and stuff. We hadn't gone through the mail, putting it gently over to the side so it's not so obvious, you know, doing that kind of thing. And I remember one time uh, at our home when there were several members of our extended family had come over. It was after some family event and they, they happened to come over to our house kind of unexpectedly afterwards as families do sometimes. And I was running around in the kitchen. I was asking everybody what they wanted to drink and I was getting drinks. And for some reason, I got really upset because no one else was. They weren't even paying much attention to me. People weren't really telling me what they wanted to drink. And un- kind of unlike me, I sort of snapped at one point, and I said, why isn't anyone else doing anything except me? And, and a family member, and I will say it was not Claire, my wife, okay, it was someone else, said, no one really asked you to go and get drinks for everybody. They literally said, why don't you just come in here and sit down and talk? And so instead of doing that, I left the room because I was upset to cool off a little bit, which maybe was the best decision in the moment. But it was really my fault. No one had asked me to be the host. No one had asked me to ask everybody what they wanted to drink. No one had asked me to run around the house. Instead, in the moment, they were choosing the better part, which was literally just to sit in the family room and be together as family. I was the one making the mistake in that case. I read in a Bible commentary this week specifically about this Martha and Mary story. It said this, when we criticize others and pity ourselves, which I was doing a little bit of, when we criticize others and pity ourselves for overworking, we should examine ourselves. When we criticize others and pity ourselves for overworking, we should examine ourselves, not the others. I was thinking about Jesus. So Jesus had uh, had a couple of chapters ago in Luke, it said that He had set his face towards Jerusalem. He he knew that his life was coming closer to an end, and so he really wanted to value the time that he had. And so Jesus probably knows that this time here in this house, most likely, again, with some of his disciples, some of his friends, Mary and Martha, this is pretty precious time. This is pretty special time. And so... It says the better part in this scene then is to sit and talk and literally to sit at Jesus' feet. Now that doesn't mean in the context to to sit up and adoringly look at him, maybe while Jesus kind of lifted higher up, people, everybody else to sit on the floor and look up to him. It was a statement that was meant for a rabbi. When a rabbi would be a teacher or a leader for those who were listening or learning for him and since to sit at his feet was to be willing to listen and to learn from him. But Martha was distracted, was worried, was upset at her sister who wasn't helping her. 
So again, I think it's good to, to put ourselves in the context of the story and to think about what this might look like in our context. And one of the things that I thought is we can't be with Jesus physically today as the disciples were in that story, but we can be with each other. And so I think it's a high value to value relationships and to be aware and to be present in our relationships and to be aware when the time is right to sit down, to slow down, and simply be with people. And so I was thinking about this passage this week, and I thought of a story by Doug Fields. Now, Doug Fields was a youth pastor, and then he became kind of a writer and a consultant on youth ministry. You might think, who needs consultants on youth ministry? I, well, I know when I was a young youth pastor, I did. So, uh, so I really liked Doug Fields. I heard him speak at a couple of conferences. He was the youth pastor, if you could call him that, in the 1990s at Saddleback Church in Southern California, which at that time was one of the largest churches in the nation. And his youth ministry was so big that he had to break it down into weekly smaller groups, which he called area Bible studies. And at those groups, based on where the kids lived, they would gather in a neighborhood home in smaller groups. And those groups might be from like 10 to 30 kids. And he would uh, recruit leaders to go, to go lead those smaller groups because he couldn't be at every single group. So on one of those weeknights, he went to visit a, groom and, a group, and when he got to the home, the kids were already arriving and probably kind of like this story. They were arriving, they were hanging out probably in the family room, but he couldn't find the group leader. So uh, the, the parents were there or whatever to kind of be host, but he goes into the kitchen and he finds the group leader, it was a lady there, and she seemed a little frantic, and she was looking at her notes, her notes for the Bible study or for the lesson that night while the, the kids are kind of keep streaming in to the front room. And he's like, hey, what are you doing in here? She said, well, uh, and he said, are you prepared? She said, yeah, yeah, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm just going over my notes one more time. I just want to make sure I've got it, got it all right. And he kind of gently corrected her, and he said, hey, the ministry's out there in the family room. You know, if you're prepared, don't worry about it. It's going to be great. Head out of the kitchen, go out where the kids are, spend time with them, talk to them, be with them. That's where the ministry is. In a sense, kind of like Martha, get out of the kitchen and go see the people outside. Now, I really like that story because ministry is about relationship. It's not being about perfect in your preparation. It's not just studying and making sure you get it exactly right. It's about the people that you are with. So if we are worried and distracted by many things, which I know I can be uh, like Martha, and there's plenty in the world uh, to be distracted by, as we know, and to be worried about, what should we do about those worries and distractions? And one of my favorite passages is from Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, which you probably know this. It's one of Paul's letters. It's here on the screens where Paul says this, do not be anxious, and I think in another translation, do not worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, think about it, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What happens if we do that? He says, then the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we present our request to God, 
We give thanks to God, we pray to God, we ask God for help when we feel worried or distracted or anxious. And God says, and I think it's in a little bit of a mysterious way, but God will give us his peace when we start to take our worries, our concerns to him and prayer. We say, God, I'm gonna try to give you these worries. I know there's these things I have in my life. I'm gonna bring them to you and I'm not trying not to be anxious, but I'm gonna bring them to you. And so you can take them from me and so maybe I won't worry so much. And then we might hear from God. So back to the story one more time. While Martha is busy, distracted, and worried, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And again, this is, uh, in that culture, is a change in culture. Um, It's a change in culture. So in most cases, men would be the one, as Jesus had 12 men be his disciples, and that was part of the culture. For the most part, women were second-class citizens in that ancient culture 2,000 years ago. And women were often separated from men. Sometimes, even today in certain cultures in the Middle East, men and women in certain cases are separated. But the women might be expected to do the work, uh, sadly, and the men would be able to sit and, uh, and talk with Jesus. So for Mary to go into the room, perhaps on her own, perhaps, to go in and sit at Jesus' feet was bold, but part of the counterculture here is probably the changes that Jesus affirms that she is there. Mary has chosen the better part. She has chosen to come in and to break with the cultural expectations in order to sit and to learn from me, to talk with me, and to be spending time with me. And I think that's part of this story as well. Jesus affirms that his grace, his love, listening to him, is for everyone. So if we can't walk around with Jesus, if we can't hear from Jesus directly person to person, what are ways that we might hear from Jesus today? First, through scripture. When we finish reading the scripture in worship each week, we say, say, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. And I don't want us to take that lightly because it truly is God's word, it is living and active, we believe that. Now, we might need to interpret it a little bit, like the phrase sitting at Jesus' feet doesn't literally mean that. It means listening to God. But even though these things were written uh, two to 3,000 years ago and they had meaning first then, they have meaning for us as well. And so I want us to have that kind of mindset when we read Scripture. I understand what it looks like for, for then, but what does it mean for me today, now? I also believe that we can hear from God through his Holy Spirit, it says in many places, including the Gospel of John, that God gives us his Holy Spirit to be with us and to help us understand what God is saying to us. And I believe if we are quiet and we listen, we practice some time alone, and we're listening to what God is saying to us, I do believe that God can speak to us through his Holy Spirit. So I probably had told you guys, I'm not sure if I had, I've talked about it with the staff and the elders, but I'm doing some spiritual direction training. And so we have some spiritual directors in our church, and those are people who have learned and are being trained and learned and and helping others to really listen for God in their lives and to look for God more closely in their lives, especially in the areas when they're having concerns or distractions or problems. So I've been doing some of that training this year. I finished my first year of training. I have one more year of training for that. But during my first two months of training, I felt I heard directly from God uh, on two occasions, which that doesn't always 
happen to me uh, very often. First, I was kind of like Martha, which I said I'm a little bit of a worrier. I was very worried. I was trying to control an event at church, and I remember waking up one morning, and it was the first thing that came to my mind. It's like, how am I going to fix this thing at church, this event? I feel like I can't wrap my arms around it, and it was because I couldn't, because I wasn't in control of that. And like I try to do most mornings of the week, I wouldn't say I'm every single day of the week, I went down and I sat in my favorite chair and I opened up my devotional and I didn't find the exact page from last year when this devotional was. But when I opened it up, the first words were something like this, I'm paraphrasing. You are trying to control something you can't control. Because of this, you are anxious and worried Instead of worrying, give your concerns to God. Focus on God and allow God to help you. And I was like, who told the writer of this devotional what I was dealing with today? And then I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure God is using this directly to speak to me right now in the moment on this day. And I think I got a little chill uh, on my spine, but then was really humbled that God would be willing to give me that in that moment when I felt worried and when I felt like I was trying to control things. And I needed to hear that. And so that led me into a good time of prayer with him. Also, as part of my spiritual direction training, we were supposed to share something that was uh, very challenging for us that could have actually uh, shaken our faith. And so I didn't really want to do this because I don't always like to share that that much. And I remember telling Jerry that, and he's like, you know what, Scott, these kind of things... He said, this is what he said. I, I'll throw him under the bus here a little bit. He goes, Scott, just conjure up some tears and then you're okay, you're in. You know, just think of something, <laughs> think of something that'll make you cry just a little bit and then and you're good. And I said, okay, I'll do that. So um, I did. And actually, uh, a little more seriously, I thought of a tragedy that had happened in my family and I did cry at that. And I shared with five people about that. And at the time I realized we were within... Um, two days of the anniversary, the yearly anniversary of that tragedy. And I shared with them, I said, it feels like some days there's a dark cloud hanging over me and my family even four years later. So the very next morning, it didn't last very long, that was like in the afternoon, the very next morning, we were, I was driving down for the second day of training, and I'm driving south on I-65 towards downtown Indianapolis where our training was. And I look out the, uh, the driver's side window and there's a large gray cloud, just one cloud in the sky, a large gray cloud. And I was like, that's like the dark cloud that I feel that hangs over my family. Almost immediately when I thought that, the sun came out from behind the clouds. And because it was a low sun early in the morning, it was almost blinding coming in my window. And as I kept driving, I think because I'm driving pretty quickly down I-65, the sun kind of went back in behind the clouds. So I looked again but the rays of the sun, as you've often seen, especially in the morning or at night, the rays of the sun are coming out all around the cloud. And I thought God spoke to me and said, my light is always more light and bright than any dark cloud that you can have in your life. And it was so clear and so spot on, it couldn't, couldn't be anything else but God speaking to me in that time. What I realized in both of those situations, in the first one, is that God still speaks if we will be quiet and listen and dive into his scripture because the devotional that morning was based solely on scripture, scripture similar to that, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And in the second situation, I was learning about being more quiet 
and listening to the Spirit in my life. And I think God used his creation. He used this simple picture uh, of a cloud and the sunshine to speak to me right in that moment where I needed it. If we can set aside our worries and distractions like he tells Martha to do, if we can be quiet in our, our life, if we can look into scripture, I believe we can hear from God and we can be more like Mary who chooses the better part instead of scurrying about, instead of being worried and distracted, she chooses to go sit and learn from Jesus. So while we know both Mary and Martha were trying to serve or to be with Jesus, I encourage you this week to set aside some distractions, to set aside your worries, to spend time with Jesus where you can and where you are. And let us pray. Most loving God, on this morning, we have set aside time to be with you. God, we had a little bit time of silence before the prayer, and then we had corporate prayer together. And Lord, we've sang songs of praise and songs of worship to you this morning. So God, even now, as we sing one more song, may we, as your gathered body, think about how you are speaking to us and how you might speak to us this week. But not only that, that we might be filled up as we think back in Luke 10, to be people like the 72 sent out to show and share the kingdom of God with others, or to be like the good Samaritan who shows compassion. Help us then to find quiet places this week to hear from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.